：你们你们若是热心行善，有谁害你们呢？你们就是为义受苦，也是有福的。不要怕人的威吓，也不要惊慌，只要心里专注基督为圣。有人问你们心中盼望的缘由，就要常作准备，以温柔敬畏的心回答各人，存着无愧的良心。叫你们在何事上被毁谤，就在何事上可以叫那无赖你们在基督里有好品行的人自觉羞愧。神的旨意若是叫你们因行善受苦，总强于因行恶受苦。The、next reading is from First Peter, verses,、uh, chapter t verses e i Auch Christus hat einmal für die Sünde gelitten, der Gerechte starb für die Ungerechten. Um uns zu Gott hinführen zu können. Als Mensch wurde er getötet, durch den Geist aber wieder lebendig gemacht. In diesem Geist hatte er auch den in den Sünden gefangenen Geistern gepredigt, den Menschen, die zur Zeit Noahs ungehorsam waren. Damals wartete Gott geduldig auf ihre Umkehr, bis Noah die Arche fertig gebaut hatte. Doch nur acht Menschen wurden in der Arche durch das Wasser der Sintflut hindurch gerettet. Das ist ein Bild für die Taufe, die jetzt euch rettet. Die Taufe dient ja nicht zur körperlichen Reinigung. Sie ist vielmehr Ausdruck einer Bitte an Gott um ein gutes Gewissen. Das alles ist nur möglich geworden, weil Jesus Christus von den Toten auferstanden ist. Und nachdem er zum Himmel aufgestiegen war, nahm er den Ehrenplatz an Gottes rechter Seite ein. Alle Engel, Gewalten und Mächte sind ihm unterworfen. Unang sulat ni Pedro, ikaapat na kabanata, unang talata hanggang ikaanim. Ang panibagong buhay. Yamang si Kristo ay nagtiis ng hirap noong siya ay nasa buhay na ito, kayuman ay dapat maging handang magtiis, sapagkat ang nagtiis na ng hirap sa buhay na ito ay tumalikod na sa kasalanan. Kaya nga, Mula ngayon ay mamuhay na tayong sumusunod sa kalooban ng Diyos at hindi sa pagnanasa ng laman. Sapat na ang panahong inaksayan ninyo sa paggawa ng mga bagay na kinahuhumalingan ng mga hintel, kahalayan, mga pagnanasa ng laman, paglalasing at walang habas na pagsasaya, pag-iinuman at kasuklam-suklam na pagsamba sa mga Diyos-Diyosan. Nagtataka nga sila kung bakit hindi na kayo sumasama ngayon sa kanilang magulong pamumuhay, kaya kayo'y kinukutya nila. Ngunit mananagot sila sa Diyos na handang humatol sa mga buhay at sa mga patay. Ipinapangaral din ang magandang balita sa mga patay, upang bagamat sila'y nahusgahan ayon sa laman, gaya ng lahat ng nasa laman, nabubuhay sila sa espiritu, sa pamamagitan ng kapangyarihan ng Diyos. Ito ang salita. Chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Am I doing the right thing? Go back? Are we okay? Okay, good. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Over to Pastor Niels. Great. Thanks for reading, everyone. It's great that uh, that is what the Spirit is doing, bringing people of different cultures and languages together in the church and in an international church. It's great to celebrate that. And, uh, of course, you'll be pleased to know I won't be preaching in Dutch, if you were wondering. (laughs) Now we're in uh, 1 Peter 4. We're going back to uh, uh, finish this book that we stopped after Christmas. Why don't I pray as we go and listen to God's Word together? Father, thank you for your words. Thank you. They are living and active. They are yeah, the very words of God. Please speak to all our hearts by your spirit that you've so graciously given us uh, to change us, to make us see Jesus, and to make us live for him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. So, yeah, I just mentioned praying for our, uh, Ramadan. Uh, I hope you're involved in that. But I guess it's very easy to miss in Hong Kong because it's just... Nowhere around us, isn't it? We wouldn't know it. Uh, Other places of the world are definitely very different. I remember the first time we came to Dubai. Uh, We flew to Korea with Emirates, and we have some friends in Dubai. We thought, let's go and uh, and see them. Uh, Nice, just a few days holiday at the end. The only problem, we hadn't checked what time it was. And so it was Ramadan. And in that country, everyone has to join in. So just having a water bottle and drinking it outside, no, it's not allowed. It's quite annoying. Uh, You want to go to a nice, authentic restaurant? They only open at 9 p.m., which is not great with jet-lagged children, isn't it? Uh, Thankfully, some shopping centers, they had a McDonald's behind a curtain for foreign guests. But it just wasn't... uh, Dubai has a lot to offer, but we came at the wrong time. We should have checked what time it is, right? Now, that's a a silly example of a bigger scale, uh, the Christian life. We need to know what time it is. Uh, The Christian faith has a lot to offer, right? Jesus gives you a relationship with God, gives you forgiveness. Uh, He deals with sin. He gives you eternal life. But when? At what time? Eternal life, yes, but that's later. You're still going to die now. Uh, sin, yes, fully dealt with in principle, but only at the resurrection. Uh, right now, uh, you will still be struggling with sin. Uh, and if you don't know those things, if you become a Christian and think, okay, now all of that is going to be sorted, uh, you're going to be disappointed. That's why Peter wrote his letter. Uh, he wrote to a young church, and they needed to know yeah, what time it is, where they are. Um, If you were there before Christmas and you've heard, uh, Peter's favorite metaphor is that of elect exiles. We're living in exile. We're God's people. We belong in heaven with Jesus. However, we live here in this world, uh, in a a hostile place that uh, doesn't know God. That's where we live now. And on one hand, that means mission. That's why we're here, so that other people can come to know Jesus. On the other hand, it will mean suffering. If you've read through 1 Peter, it's amazing how often that comes up. eh? You've heard it in the reading. Well, heard it, you read it maybe in the reading. Eh? Even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. 
3.14, it's better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Uh, end of 4 verse 1, today's reading. Whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. And another kind of seven or eight times in the next few sermons. Suffering. Just to say this is suffering just as a Christian. Of course, this is a broken world, and we suffer in many ways. We suffer from illness. You suffer from bereavement. But that is what everyone does. This is specifically, well, suffering as a Christian that Peter is writing about. And it's not just kind of big state-sponsored persecution. Did you, uh, yeah, verses 3 and 4 again. Of chapter 4, that's where we are. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you. They're very ordinary. You're with your, uh, with your friends who are not Christians, and uh, they want to sin, and you don't join, and they heap abuse on you. It's very ordinary. And this is not uh, North Korea. It's not like that. And yet Peter calls this suffering. And he felt he had to write a letter to Christians to say, look, this is how you deal with it. This is a real problem. Now, especially when you, well, you were not a Christian and then you become one. And suddenly things change. Suddenly you're different. How do we deal with that? Maybe you're here and the, yeah, you are looking into Christianity. That is something you wonder. Yeah, maybe the Christian faith sounds nice, but I'll be so different. Uh, what will my friends think? It's a good question. And hopefully Peter's advice will help. And how does he help? Well, what, over, what is overall this whole passage, first of all, it's clear thinking. We need to be clear in our thinking. Um, 4 verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, uh, the same way of thinking, the same mindset. Uh, it's, uh, it's really, I mean, arm yourselves. That doesn't sound easy, right? Arm yourselves. Uh, verse 7, halfway again. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind. He wants us to, to have our mind engaged, to really, yeah, to be clear in our thinking. And about what? Well, the time. Verse 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert. Uh, um, the end is here, but not yet. But it is coming. That's what we should think about. Verse 5, again, the end. But they will have to give account to Jesus, who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Again, uh, that is coming. Verse 2 talks about the rest of their earthly lives. So Peter, what he is thinking of is, look, there's the rest of your earthly life, and then there's the end, and then there is the future. That's what you need to be clear on. And what do we, should we be clear on then? Well, that we will follow Jesus. 4 verse 1 again. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body uh, here on earth, Arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. We will suffer in the body like Jesus did. I mean, not in the same way. He died on the cross for sins. But the fact that his life here was hard, involved suffering. 
that is what we can expect. Uh, and yet, uh, the future is great. Uh, it talks about Jesus in chapter 3, that he died in his body, but made, was made alive in the spirit, the resurrection. And verse 6 has the same thing here. People who are judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Uh, so it's being like Jesus, suffering now, glory later. And if we know that, that will help us to live here in exile. But, yeah, Peter then tells us two things that that will look like. And the first, be willing to pay the cost. Be willing to pay the cost. In some way, it's part of a bigger picture, isn't it? It's about living a holy life. Uh, Let me read verses, uh, well, the end of verse 1. Whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. It's about, well, living God's way now, which makes so much sense. You are God's people. You live God's way. He wants us to be a holy community. But he said that many times before. Uh, Chapter 1. I don't think Peter repeats himself. Why does he say it now again? Well, who is the one who is done with sin? In verse 1, whoever suffers in the body. Living a holy life, well, it's connected to suffering. Uh, Why do you suffer? Well, it's because you're done with sin. I guess, yeah, of course dealing with with sin is hard. Resisting sin. Uh, Maybe there's stuff you want to watch on the internet and you know you shouldn't. And just fighting that temptation is hard. Maybe there's a certain relationship that you won't pursue because you know that God says that uh, you should marry a Christian. And again, that's hard. But again, the thing that Peter singles out is it comes, the suffering comes from others. Uh, they, uh, you feel alienated. Verse 4, they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living. And they heap abuse on you. They're, they're surprised. What? You're not going to join us? You're now a stranger. You're an alien. You don't belong. You're different. Just to say, if you're here and you're a visitor and you think, well, I'm not living like that. I'm not a Christian, but I don't live like that. Sure, Peter singles out one particular lifestyle. Although it's contrasted with the will of God. I'm sure that's, I don't know, uh, is your life, is there jealousy? Is there greed? Is there gossip? I'm sure that maybe in other areas you don't live God's way, even if you don't get drunk. Uh, sure. But for many of us, yeah, this might be the case. You come out of a certain life and suddenly you've changed. I had that. I became a Christian when I was 25 years old. Uh, I was a very heavy drinker as a student, uh, enjoyed immorality, and then it all changed. And that was such a surprise to my friends. I got married a few months after, and my fraternity friends, they planned a stag party, and I was just really worried. What are they going to do? I had to email them, guys, I don't want any of that stuff. I'm a Christian now. I was really afraid of what they might have planned. Now, they were good guys. They, 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 they respected that. There was nothing of that sort. We had a great time. But other people don't have it easy. A Korean guy I used to read one-to-one with, 
he's working in Korea. Now, Korea has a very strong working culture, uh, drinking culture at work. Uh, after the long day at work, they all go and get drunk. And his colleagues, they, uh, well, they go to have some entertainment afterwards. And so, yeah, he refuses to join in. But he is not popular. Uh, he gets lots of flack. People hate him. Hard to make any progress in his career because he's just not one of them. The Christian life can be very hard then. But what would Peter, Peter say to him? Well, you know, the reason it's hard is because you're done with sin. It's the cost of breaking with sin, right? You suffer in the body because you're done with sin. You're living in a sinful world. Yeah, if you break away from that, you might suffer. And you should be willing to pay that cost. But how, should we, how can we do that? Well, that mindset. Look at the future. Uh, just like Jesus, yeah, he was willing to suffer because of what came after. But here also, again, uh, verses 5 and 6. Think how they both end. Yes, your friends, they are living in sin, they're abusing you. Verse 5, but they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Yeah, that is the, the future. I remember the future. It's not great. Do you want to join them? Maybe not. At the same time, of course, judgment makes Peter think, well, you were no better. It's not that we are such better people, that's why we won't get judged and others do. We deserve judgment just as much as Christians. But there's the gospel, verse 6. This is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, Christians who have died since. And the gospel gives you life. The gospel is a way out of judgment because Jesus died for our sins. And that means that there, there's hope. Yes, you might still die, in verse 6, he puts it, you know, judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but you will live according to the Spirit, according to God in the Spirit. That's the mindset, yes? Okay, it's hard to resist sin, hard to resist the pressure. But think about Judgment Day, think about the resurrection, and then you should be willing to pay the cost. All right? Because long term, there's no cost really, is it? Again, just to say, if you're not a Christian, uh, you face this. Not that you're worse than, than us, but we all haven't lived God's way. And if God's going to make everything right, it means getting rid of what's wrong. <coughs> and so you need forgiveness. You were made by God to know him and enjoy him. Uh, please come back to him. You can. He offers forgiveness. Sorry. Come and ask me more later. But that's the thing. Be willing to pay the cost. And just to be clear, this suffering is without any reason, isn't it? And this Christian is not doing anything wrong. Some people, they say, well, if you obey God, everything will be great in your life. This passage says rather the opposite, right? You live God's way, you're going to have a hard time. We're in exile, where things are the wrong way round. In fact, this Christian is doing exactly what Peter said. If you were here before, Christ, before Christmas, Peter's big call was uh, in 2 verse 11 and 12. 
Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. He wants us to be in the world and live such different lives that people will, will see that and will come to glorify God. That is what Peter wants. But this person is doing that, right? He's with his non-Christian friends and he's being different. The same thing can lead to, yeah, a good witness. It can lead to suffering. Yeah, it, it should surprise people how you live. It might win them over. It might just bring abuse. <coughs> so the question is, is this your experience? Uh, do you have people surprised at the way you live? That is what Peter would want. Uh, he's commanded that to us in chapter 2. Are people surprised? And do they either ask questions or malign you? My guess is for many of us, well, it's not. Whereas Peter would like to know why. Maybe, uh, yeah, are we living a good life? Are we being different? Uh, Peter mentions drunkenness. If we get just as drunk as everyone else, yeah, no one will be surprised. Of course, maybe you say, well, my colleagues aren't like that. They don't get drunk. It's not a big thing here in Hong Kong. Maybe it's, uh, well, Peter mentions idolatry. We idolize work, don't we? We talked about that a few weeks ago. If you, uh, they'll be surprised when you go home early because you want to go to the prayer meeting. Then uh, they might heap abuse on you. Or maybe it's gossip. Right? That's very common, talking others down to make yourself feel good. So common and then so hard to just say, no, I'm not going to join that, to walk away, to change things. Uh, grumbling. When I was in an, uh, yeah, the last secular workplace, so much complaining about the management, the boss, always their fault. And that's sin. That's wrong. And so for me to walk away or to change the conversation, to say actually what they're trying to do is good, didn't make me popular. Yeah? Are we living good lives? Or are we, well, as Peter puts it, among the pagans? Maybe people aren't surprised because you just don't spend much time with those who don't believe. Now we're busy, we're always rushing around, we have no real relationships with other people who live in a Christian bubble. No wonder no one is surprised at our life. So maybe if you really can't recognize this, maybe expose yourself more to others. Make the effort to get to know people at work, at school. It exposes yourself to suffering, yeah but you should be willing to pay that cost. All right. But that still sounds hard. How can we keep going? Well, press on together. Now, it's really surprising because, as you've heard in chapter 4, 7 to 11, we then get a passage about church. I mean, it starts again with, you know, the end of all things is near, verse 7. But then we get church stuff, isn't it? Uh, verse 8, uh, love one another. Verse 9, offer hospitality. Uh, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. You may wonder, did we choose this because we're just, uh, we want more sermons on gifts after the past four weeks? No, this is Peter's choice. But you might wonder why. Is Peter just rambling and he just thinks, oh, what shall I say? Oh, yeah, 
gifts. Now this passage is here because church is what helps you. If life is hard, if it's not easy to be a Christian, you need church. We need one another. We need to press on together. And you think, okay, church is what I enjoy. I come here because I like it. But then if I don't like it or if I'm busy, I won't come. No, says Peter, church is the thing that will keep you going. And so you need this. First of all, uh, well, he mentions prayer. I guess that's something you can do on your own. We're not very good at doing it together. But yeah, uh, <laughs> the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. I mean, you want to pray, right? If, uh, I mean, if life is easy, why pray? But if there's spiritual warfare, if the end is coming, if things are difficult, you pray. You pray that you'd be willing to pay the cost. You pray that others would live for God despite the peer pressure. That we'd stand firm against the devil. Um, not just prayer, love. Verse 8. I mean, that is about others, isn't it? Above all, Love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Doesn't mean uh, that uh, love kind of pays for our own sins. No, it's the sins of others. Uh, if we love one another, we bear with each other's problems and sins. Can you imagine? Uh, you're having a hard life. You're rejected by your friends because you've become a Christian. And then you come to church and people don't want you because uh, you are still a bit immature. That'd be terrible, isn't it? If we are here to help each other, we should love one another and bear with one another's sins, right? Just cover over them, ignore them, because we need each other. Same with uh, hospitality, verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Easy to grumble, but uh, no. And hospitality here isn't uh, just entertaining and parties. Again, think of a context of exile. Here's a woman. She's just become a Christian. Lots of arguments with her husband who really hates it. And then he kicks her out for the night. Where's she going to go? She's probably going to knock on your door. Well, it's annoying, isn't it? But if we are there for each other, then we should... Well, we put it up with each other, right? We, you host her without grumbling because we need each other. I guess we don't have that much, but uh, with other suffering, think of the, uh, the Owens. Right? They need so much help now with baby Micah. Joshua constantly needs to play with other people. It's easy to grumble about that, right? Oh, we have to babysit Joshua again, have to provide meals again. It would be easy to grumble about that, but no, they need our help. And so we gladly help each other. Basically, we, we need a new family a new community, right? You're rejected by your old friends, your old family, when you become a Christian. That's why you need a new family. A family, yeah, where we love each other, where we put up with each other, and then where we serve each other. Verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If we have gifts, let's use them for each other. Uh, like speaking. Again, that's uh, a key gift. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. 
Uh, the words you speak to one another, hopefully they are words from God, words about the gospel, words about our great hope, words that build people up. That is what we need to keep going, uh, serving with the strength that God provides. Uh, to keep this going, yeah, we need to serve each other. Uh, okay, we've thought about that a lot in the past four weeks. I'm not going to go into the detail. Listen to those sermons if you weren't there. But we need it. People depend on you to encourage them, to serve them as we live here, as we are well, pressing on together. And it's not just they miss out on us if we're not involved. Uh, did you notice the focus on God here? They miss out on God. Why use gifts? Verse 10. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You bring God's grace to people when you use your gifts. Uh, the one speaking, speaking the very words of God. You're bringing words from God to people. And yeah, the service is God working through that, giving the strength. Uh, it's God's grace at work. And to God's glory, God glorified. But that is here. It's not at home through your Bible and your own quiet times. God's grace comes through each other. And so if you have the right mindset, if you know the time, you know this we're in exile, you know the end is near, I guess you will come together and press on together. That's what, yeah, Peter would say. And, and you know, sometimes that can go wrong. I know a, a person, a student, studied theology at a very secular university. And so that was a hard place. Uh, his family weren't Christians, only child. Very isolated. Especially he lived hours and hours away from church. He should have gone to another church. But uh, as a student, he wanted to come to this church with a lot of students. But people didn't really... He lived too far. They didn't make the effort to go visit him and hang out with him. And so he, he stopped coming. He first went to another church where he hoped things would be warmer. Yeah, better relationships, but no gospel. And now, judging by his Facebook posts, he's, oh, he says he's still a Christian, but he's nowhere. Wouldn't want that to happen, right, for us. We need to press on together. We need each other. And, and we can do it. Look at the way we've helped the Owens. And we are willing to, to help. But let's make sure it's not just the people who are sick. If we are in exile, we all need help. We all need encouragement to live godly lives, to stand out rather than blend in, to be willing to pay that cost day by day when it's hard. So let's do that. Okay? Let's, uh, if you are not in a links group, give it some thought. Read one-to-one. -one. Uh, make sure you make the most of Sundays. Uh, in a moment when we go down, don't just have your coffee and zoom off. Speak to people. Encourage them. That's how we're going to keep going. That is God's grace to us. Now, why don't I leave half a minute, and then I'll pray, and then we'll sing. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that the end is near. Thank you that one day Jesus will come. Uh, he will bring judgment. He will bring life. Father, we help us to look forward to that. When we are in exile, when life is hard, help us to focus on that. Help us to resist the pressures of the world. But also help us to help each other press on. 
And Father, that's your grace to us. That's how we keep going. Help us to make the effort. Help us to see that people need us and that we have a chance to, to love them. Father, we pray that we would be living differently. We pray that we spur each other on to love and good deeds, uh, that we would be shining lights in this world. Uh, people would be surprised, and even if it may bring abuse, that they might see our good deeds and glorify you on the last day. Father, please use us in this world. That's why we're still here. That's why Jesus hasn't come back yet, because you want to use us. And so please, we yeah, by your Spirit, use us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Well, let's sing a final song. We're going to sing the chorus of the saved. Focus on the future. Focus on the whole church together, praising God on the last day. So let's stand to sing.